Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Dino Raja. It's my Dana Barrows. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good. Celtics great, Dino Raja. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes. One of those early Euros that, like, clearly, because I think he went overseas and was, like, the best player in whatever league yeah. he was in. Um, and clearly it was just like, actually, it would be a lot cooler to score 30 points a game than it is to score 13 points yeah. a game, uh, which I respect. I also It's I like the reverse Arvidas Sabonis is what it kind of felt like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you sign up for minor league intramurals at college or whatever, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'll just score 40 points. It'll be awesome. Um, and then everybody else who's also pretty good also does the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, actually, this isn't very good at all. And half my teammates have never played basketball before. So that's a fun thing that... Speaking from experience on that one, um, we have so much to cover, buddy. This is—I love the playoffs so much. I wish—I always say this with it with this podcast as well as Mad About Movies. I'm always just like, it'd be really cool if somebody, uh, if we could catch a break, you know, it'd be really cool if somebody rich would uh, would be our our benefactor and just be like, yeah, totally. We want you to make content. Just make content. We'll pay you money to do that. Somebody listening to this is like, bro, you are not worth money. And I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I'm just saying that most other podcasts also are not worth money It's hard to they, do this week to week like we do because there's so much yes. that happens. Whereas, yes. you know, the big wigs are the ones that are like getting in the studio and recording every night and then releasing it the next morning. And so, yeah. And they have yeah, and I, they have partners. They don't have to do it every day. So I know it's it's during this time of the year, especially i i would I would absolutely record an NBA podcast every day if we could. I was talking to our buddy Taylor tonight uh, at church, and and uh, he was like, "I've had a rough day." But then I was like, "I was trying to get out of the conversation, not for me, like, hey, I got to get out of here." But like, clearly, he was tired. He was like ready to go home. But he kept talking to me, and we just we're talking about basketball. He just kept talking to me about basketball, and so I'm I'm feeling it. And as he finally, as as we were walking away, he was like, "That's the first small talk I've had today, and I kind of needed it." So thank you. And I was <laughs> like, "Hey, anytime you want to talk to me about basketball, hit me up. I am always willing to uh, to uh, to go on and on and on about basketball." Um, so yeah, we I would love to be able to to record every night, honestly, um, during this time, but. Uh, we have jobs and and our families like to see us and stuff like that. So I don't know why though. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but uh, but that's we're gonna go through all seven series real fast. We'll save Mavs Jazz for Mavs time, which will come out either right before or right after this episode, um, with whatever we we feel like doing when we're done. So be on the lookout for that. But I I know that last week we started with with Celtics Nets. Um, but we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. going to do the, the NBA podcast thing. Also, Tobin, if I see this commercial for Matt Krause one more time, <laughs> I am going to absolutely lose my mind. I cannot, I cannot handle, I cannot handle, I'm going to keep CRT out of school. I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I, we, we, we have tried over the course of, of, of this show to like not always hit the most popular thing over and over just because I feel like it's it's old. Like everybody gets tired of listening to the same the same conversations about the same teams or the same issues or or whatever. But but I do think that when the preemptive favorite to win the NBA finals at the beginning of the season does not win a single game in the playoffs, I feel like that's pretty pretty noteworthy. And we so we gotta start there. We gotta start there. I I would like to say <laughs> 
that we're going to talk a lot about the Celtics, but we're not. Let's just be honest. We've got more time to talk about the Celtics now um, because they took care of business and they are actually yeah. a professional basketball team. And um, and so they, they get to move on. So I, all I will say is Jason Tatum has been great. The, the fact that Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and a few others, but really I think those two guys in particular, through the course of the season, figured out how to accept a role for the most part um, that was maybe different than what they really wanted it to be. That's magnificent. And it doesn't happen a lot. That is usually a thing that's like, we got to trade guys or you come back in the off season from the off season, excuse me. And you've, you've kind of adjusted or something to be able to adjust the way both of those guys have um, over the course of the season. And for everybody on that team to buy into Udoka's system that, I mean, was very questionable in December. You know, I mean, we were having conversations in December of, are we sure that this was the guy? Um, it's it's incredible. I love their defensive schemes. I'm excited. Honestly, I'm excited from a basketball fan standpoint to see what they're going to do with Giannis and the Bucks. Um, and they were they were magnificent and they took care of business. They did a fantastic job through through the course of this series. Um, but like I said, Tobin, we have time to talk about the Celtics. Um, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time on the Nets. Um, this is like an unmitigated disaster, right? Like yeah. two years into this thing, I mean, I just I don't know. We've seen super teams form and and fall apart in the past, but this feels like on an almost like another level to me for for whatever reason. Well, the reason for that is is that every most of the super teams that we've seen form either win a finals or they almost make a finals or make a finals, you know, like, whereas these guys haven't done anything even close to that really, other than getting to a conference finals against the, was it the conference finals against the bucks? It was right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But to, so, uh, it was Simmy. It was, sorry, yeah, you're right. It was Simmy. So like, sorry, that's right. Cause the Hawks made it. So they, they definitely have things that were out of their control. Like, injuries and stuff like that that is not normal but like even with the first big three with the heat you know they had ran its course and that was it but they had won two titles and went to four finals so it kind of felt like oh okay this was this was good this is worth it you know same thing Mm -hmm. with the warriors and kd like they won a title they went to some finals like it was good it was worth it this is it seems like the opposite and now it seems like they're going to have to double down on on a bet that's probably not going to pay off. Or if it does pay off, it's going to be because of a myriad of lucky things that go their way in regards mm-hmm. to like injuries and stuff like that. So I, it just, it seems like this is headed for an absolute catastrophic disaster. Yeah. I, I mean, this team, you know, I, I I am somebody who, in my sports watching, you know, I always <laughs> kind of joke about I'm fairly driven by hate when it comes to a lot of this. I love the sport of basketball. I love I love a lot of I love I love basketball, but I do like to root against the teams and the guys that I that I don't like, um, and I'm good with that. Like I'm good with my <laughs> my place in this world when it comes to that stuff. The, I think. This team has worn me out, though. It has not been enjoyable to watch. I think a lot of times when a super team kind of falls apart, I personally kind of enjoy it. Like, I get, like, a little bit of satisfaction (laughs) out of it. 
Which I don't know. Maybe that's a. Maybe I'm alone in that, and I'm just a terrible person. No, you, there's know, no way you're alone in that. People love it whenever the super well, teams yeah, don't do I, well. I, I, sure, I think that that you know we we need a villain. Everybody wants a villain in the, in their sports watching or their their movie watching or whatever else. And so um, there's a reason why the NWO was so successful <laughs> in the '90s. So that's what it is. Yeah. Every single time a super team forms, you're either a fan of it or you are, sure. or they're the yeah. villain to you, and. In most cases, and even in this one too, the the saving grace is is that they are fun to watch. At least if you aren't losing to them, in this case, it would have been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were healthy, and then they ruined it by bringing Harden in and made it not fun to watch. And I think now it could still be fun to watch, but I just don't think we're ever going to see the fully healthy. Mm-hmm team at its best that's going to make it fun so that's what that's i think that's also what makes this different is that they're not fun to watch right, right now because they're either hurt or they're just insufferable on the court i think that's the biggest thing for me too is like it's it's not it's it's less about what it is on the court and more about what an absolute butt whipping it is to deal with the freaking circus that is this team you know and and has been Really has been for the whole time that yeah. that Kyrie has been there, but it started out that way with the tampering yeah. stuff, like <laughs> yeah, but escalated to an unbelievable level over over this last year. I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's just like I don't. This isn't fun. It's not fun to root against them because even like having a conversation about them involves so much garbage that I don't even want to talk about or think about. It's just, it's so, it's not fun. It's not enjoy. You know, the, I enjoyed the Lakers. I enjoyed the Lakers being terrible this year, honestly. Um, but, but it's just, a, it's, it's a completely different conversation because I, I, I think that, that I think that when you talk about this, this, this team about the nets and the way this whole thing was put together, it's, it's two parts because you, you mentioned the Harden thing. So I think you will start there real fast. We're not going to do like a, an extensive history on this. It's, it's, you know, it is what it is, but you have to talk about two parts. You have to talk about the past and the future because the past of this team is they signed Kyrie. They signed KD knowing that KD is not going to play the entire season. And they have this like plucky fun team um, that's, had been to the playoffs the year before they were like, I believe they were the eight seed. I don't know. Maybe they were the seven, but they were, you know, Karis LeVert and D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen and, and this team and, and Kenny Atkinson is the coach, you know, and it's a fun team. And then <laughs> Kyrie is barely even playing and still they fire Kenny Atkinson or they, they mutually agree to part ways because Kyrie and KD to some extent, but I can't put too much of that on KD cause he wasn't even there. Um, but because Kenny Atkinson was not going to let them do the, the, their shtick and, and Kyrie in particular. And so guess what? Kenny Atkinson has gone. Kyrie tries to scuttle the, even the bubble and everything else. I mean, it's just, it's a total beating. And then we go into next year or I guess la- last season and they looked good and they have some depth with these guys. Dinwiddie went down. That was a big bummer for them for sure. But they're at this crossroads when they when the Harden trade happens, it completely changes everything they get because they sacrifice their depth and their young talent to bring in the third superstar. And I don't know, Tobin, do you do you feel like the I don't want to be sort of a prisoner of the moment in all this kind of thing, but like 
the super team thing failed so badly this year. Do you, do you think this is kind of nothing is ever the end because everything's cyclical, but do you think that we're about to see a, a shift on, on super teams because of the way the Lakers and, and the nets imploded? Or do you think this is just, <laughs> do you think that players maybe don't learn their lessons very well and that this is going to continue to be a thing? Well, cause I'm kind of torn on that. So here's my, my thought process on this. I think that what you are seeing is, you know how like we'll always hear things like, well, this is your generation, whatever. I think this is kind of a, a microcosm of this is the LeBron group of people do, acting like they can do whatever they want because they all kind of came in together. Because if you look at the super teams that have been created in the last couple of years, they're all the older guys that have been playing together for too long and are all buddies outside. Like you're not seeing you know, like the Ben Simmons, you know, age, the Embiid's or whatever, they're not talking about teaming up with anybody. Like Ben Simmons is on a team now as a super team because that what they were, they were, it was just a horrible two situations they wanted to try to rectify. And so I think a lot of this is really just the LeBron started this with Bosch and Wade and those guys that were playing at the same time then decided they needed to chase that same kind of blueprint. Mm-hmm. And so I do think super teams will still happen, but I think that the, the way that it happens will probably change and it'll probably be more centered around like a, a duo with the right cast, which makes more mm-hmm. logistical sense in, mm-hmm. in reality yeah. anyway. Cause that's yes. the thing is like, if you yes. would have stuck with Kyrie and Katie and kept Levert and Dinwiddie and Allen, that team right now is probably pretty good. Like maybe not Dinwiddie, hundred percent. You know, and like I know Lavert and Dinwiddie kind of like overplayed because of they were just right. they were thrust into right. a losing situation. But like right. I would much rather have that cast um coming off my bench or, or filling out my roster than mm-hmm. than these aging veterans that are just trying to take minimums to win a ring. Right. You know, or the pieces that you get. You know, maybe you. you <clears throat> When Karis LeVert had trade value, maybe you flip him for two guys, you know, or something. I, I, I yeah. it's, it's a little bit of hindsight. And I, I will say this. I, I think that we said when, when, when they signed Kyrie and, they, and KD, we, we all said, and I, I still hold to it. It's like, if this doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you gave it a great, you, you did everything you could, you know, you get you. If you have the opportunity to sign. You do it a top three player and a top 20 player or whatever in the league, you absolutely do it. You absolutely do it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I think Sean Marks did a great job. I have no, I do not blame them at all for, for making, for making those moves. The Harden thing was questionable in the moment, not because of the talent, but because of the personality. And ultimately that becomes the issue. And like they couldn't have foreseen the way that COVID, I mean, by that point we were in COVID, I understand, but like they could not have seen how it was going to go or what the vaccination thing was going to be or that New York itself was going to just hold the line when almost everyone else was yeah. like, we don't really care. They couldn't have seen, they couldn't have foreseen those things coming. I totally understand. Um, but I do think that it is fair to suggest that Maybe you can't for you could not have foreseen the details of the demise that was to come, but you could foresee 
here are a lot of issues that we personality issues that we are potentially about to face. Namely, Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving and you never know what you're going to get with him day to day just from a like, is he even going to talk to people standpoint, let alone is he going to decide to play basketball today or not? Is he is he, you know, is is the, the, the you know, the, the like the moon cycle weird. And so he also feels weird that day or or whatever else is James Harden. I mean, you know, it's not like we can pretend that we didn't know that James Harden was a incredibly capable of showing up out of shape, b incredibly capable of choking in big games and c incredibly capable of quitting when he decides that he's done, you know? And, and then you're, you're adding that to Katie, who's one of the greatest players of all time, like maybe a top 10 player of all time, but who also is 34 years old and has a lot of mileage on him. And, has a pretty bad history at this point of having you know, some injury issues and stuff. And and I'm not saying that they were wrong to make the Harden trade in the first place. I'm not saying that. I just, I think that you, I think that we, that, that they kind of sold themselves on, well, we're going to have these three guys and nothing else really matters. And, and sometimes there's more to, the calculus than just the math of that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I feel like they, that's something that I bag on Maury a lot for messing up is like that. He, he, he tries to treat human beings like computers and then is like, Oh, weird. That didn't happen. You know, they didn't, they didn't act the way I thought they would, you know? Um, and I, but I do think there is a little bit of that here too, but also I just think that <laughs> this is indicative of the pitfalls of having, of being just just beholden to great players and and the the power that um that that these guys wield in in the player empowerment era and and this is the you know I think we are both very pro player empowerment yeah but this is the to an this is the downside of that <laughs> yeah. this is the downside you have to sign DeAndre Jordan for a four year forty million dollar contract and you have to play him because that's what KD and Kyrie want you have to fire the coach that maybe was holding them accountable because Kyrie does not want to be held accountable for stuff. And you know, all you have to, you have to deal with Steve, the stuff that Steve Nash has had to deal with this season. I, I just, it's like, man, you made a lot of money. Do you really need this? It, it's, it's gotta be absolutely insufferable when Kyrie Irving is saying things like, well, we don't really even, we, sometimes I'm going to be the coach. Some days KD will be the coach. We don't really need a coach, you know, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Or after, I can't remember if it was game three or game four, but basically saying, yeah, me and KD are pretty much, we're going to get together. We're going we're gonna to be a part of trying to decide how to build this team moving forward. And you're like, you're not the freaking GM, dude. And also you've shown a propensity for not knowing what you're doing when it comes to these kinds of things. It's, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. And then, and then to, I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but like, now, now you're stuck. Now you're stuck. Yeah. This is this is the big issue. Now is like so that's, Kyrie Irving's a free agent. What are you doing here? So that's you know? that's my point. When that was my next point was with the the Heat, LeBron and them kind of did this in a good way of they never committed to more than a couple of years, and I mm-hmm. think everybody kind of knew that like 
every year we're going to reassess this as a player and also as an organization. And now what we're seeing is these organizations are not willing to cut the ties whenever it's not going a hundred percent the way it needs to. Like if I'm uh, Sean Marks, this is where I go in and say, okay, this isn't working. Like we traded Harden for Simmons. Simmons, we can't really do anything about. We can do something about Kyrie. We can offer him one year for X amount of money, or we can let him walk and we can reassess or do a sign and trade or whatever. And I just, but I don't think that the, the teams are ballsy enough to do that these days. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. this is where we're about to see, I think, the shift of you, you swung at the, for the fences with the super team and now you're about to be on the hook for Ben Simmons who hasn't played a snap not snap a play for you <laughs> and is yeah. about to, and is making a ton of money he's i think his his max contract starts next year right it does yeah um i'll pull it up while you're talking i think it's, it's if it didn't start next year it start it started this year so yeah. you have 4 years left of max contract player who doesn't want to play basketball very clearly and then you have you're about to have to offer Kyrie four years for 180 million on top of the fact that you still have KD on the hook for a couple of years. It just for aging players. And even if you were winning and things were going well, you'd have to ask yourself, is this the smartest decision? And it sounds like they're just going to throw all into the pot and hope for the best. And I just don't think it's going to end well. I really don't like, I think we're about to see a Lakers style implosion and they already kind of did that this year so but this this year was the covid stuff and the hardened stuff and never playing on the same court next year is going to be oh we've had a whole year of this and we're still fighting for a 10 seed what do we do next you know i I just Mm -hmm. that's going to be the hard part i mean the thing is it's like I, i I thought I thought I thought that Boston, I thought Boston did an amazing job of defending Kevin Durant, and there's some stuff with that over the course of those first three games, especially where Kevin Durant takes some blame in those things. He did not come through for his team, but also it's it's pretty clear that Boston said we have to take Kevin Durant out of this game, no matter what happens. We have to. We're gonna push him. We're gonna shove him. We're gonna we're gonna touch him. <laughs> you know, we're gonna make things miserable on him because he's the motor for this thing. And if if you just get anything from the rest of the team, they can't do that to that level. They can still continue to say, "Yeah, we gotta keep." Hey, hey, I know, I know, uh, Bruce. And they like game what was it game three where Bruce Brown got off? And like, hey, I know Bruce Brown's getting buckets, but still. We got to stay home on on KD. Kyrie Irving is a guy who is incredibly capable of scoring fifty points, and he, sh- I mean, he showed that in Game One. He was he was incredible in Game One, and then he, we talked about it. We talked about how good he looked for the bulk of the first forty seven minutes, and then how he wrecked things down the, str- the down the stretch by just playing hero ball and kind of demanding to be the guy that 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 wins this game. And I don't know what happened between Game One and Game Two. But it is, it is impossible for me to see to watch what happened in those next three games and not say Kyrie Irving 
whatever happened for whatever reason, Kyrie Irving quit on the team in those in those last those three games. I don't know because they were not really focused on him at all defensively. I, I like and we talked about in the CB, the season preview like they have got they they're the team that they're the weird team that has guys to throw at Kevin Durant who don't really have guys to throw at Kyrie Irving the same way. And if Kyrie Irving just like I don't, he doesn't even have to be like game one Kyrie if he's just like you know seventy five percent of that this series is is at least still going you know and it's at least a, like it's a competition it's not a four zero I mean it's embarrassing that they got swept man it's embarrassing and so much of that goes on Kyrie and I just I'm I'm never I never want to hear it again I never want to hear it again from the Kyrie stands. Because this is a pattern. This is how it has been with this dude since his last year in Cleveland, at least. This dude misses games. He doesn't show up into the games that he does play in. He cons- he's a constant source of distraction. You cannot depend on Kyrie Irving. And that's all I care about. I don't care that he has great handles or that he looks super cool and smooth when he plays, which he does. He looks cool on the court. That little, sp- I mean, the, the, the handle... That he brings to the table. I get why it's exciting to watch him play basketball. He doesn't want to play basketball. He doesn't want to play basketball the way that you have to play basketball when you get paid $40 million a year. I I, I don't want to hear it anymore because this is what he does. He doesn't show up. He doesn't show up. And I don't care that he hit a big shot over Steph Curry in the finals in 2016. I don't care. Cool. You hit a shot. So did Jason Terry. I mean, like, I don't, I don't give a rip anymore. Yeah. It's, this is who he is. He doesn't show up. And now the Nets are going to give him four years and $189 million. I, I just, it's. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the other guy that doesn't show up <laughs> while we're at it. <sighs> because I, I, that, the, the, the report that's coming out that said he pulled himself from playing game four is I I I was actually for the team pulling him because it didn't serve them any purpose to play him in the game. But then when I found out he pulled himself, I was like, okay, that's different. Because you once again are showing that basketball is not a priority for you. And Zach Lowe said this on his podcast, and I'm going to reiterate it. If, if it still is a mental health thing, okay, I can empathize with that. But at some point you have to play either play basketball or don't. That is what you're getting paid to do. Yeah. You're sitting yeah. on the bench and all that people talk about is the ridiculous outfits you're wearing and you're getting paid $28 million to never play a game. And there is a point. 33, 33 okay, million. Thank dollars. you for correcting yeah. me. That <laughs> That is the thing where you either have to decide, okay, I'm going to play basketball and take my $33 million or, okay, my mental health can't handle this. So I'm going to retire from the game. Like, and if you did that, great, that's, that's fine. But I just, I can't get past the, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me that he has not even shown any interest to get back in the game. And then when he pulled, when I found out he pulled himself, I just, I could not believe it. I I just I'm so tired. I I I I want to 
I'm so proud, not that I have anything to do with this, but I'm so proud of the way that sports, the athletics as a whole, has progressed in my lifetime and, and even over the last 10 years of how we handle everything, honestly. I mean, you know, uh, but, but in particular, like, the way that that mental health, the approach that 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 the leagues, that the players, that the organizations take towards mental health, it's 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 almost unfathomable to me compared to where we were, you know, ten or twenty years ago. I'm 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 really proud of that. As somebody, just as a just as a, an observer, as a fan, as somebody who, I mean, I work in sports, but obviously not like this. I love sports so much. And there have been times over the last over the last few years where the NBA has been like leading the way in a lot of different in, in social justice issues and, and, and the mental health, all these things has done a great job with that. And I'm really proud of that and impressed by it. And I want so badly to like, I feel gross questioning somebody's mental health issues. And this is the hard part with mental health is that you can't necessarily, you can't see it. You know, you can't yeah. see what's going on with a person. It is, it is almost impossible for me to see how this has all played out with him over the last year and not feel like, there's a lot of convenience here. It it this is a guy who is very 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 clearly tuned in to what people are saying about him and it and so is his representation. And so it's hard for me to look at how all this has played out and see how he reports to the Sixers and just holds out, loses his money. And all these people that I listen to on podcasts or I read their their stuff, all you know, almost unanimously are like they should, like kind of in a joking way of like, well, he should have just said he had mental health issues, and then that way, you know, you and then three days later, oh, actually, it's my mental health. I we're talking about a guy that that is sitting. This is not a point that this was something that I I didn't notice, but but was brought up on another podcast I listened to today was like. He's sitting here in his dumb outfits and and he's wearing sunglasses and all of NBA Twitter is kind of ripping him apart for wearing sunglasses inside during a playoff game and all this sort of stuff. And then he comes out at halftime and guess who's not wearing sunglasses anymore? <laughs> I mean, he's he's very attuned to what is being said about him. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I just, it's just you're right. We can't know his mental health, and we've said this before, and we hope that he is mentally healthy. And I, I work in the field of mental health, so like I want his mental health to be good. But right. just like every other job, if I need to take a sabbatical for my mental health, I take yeah. a sabbatical. There is a limit to that. And honestly, I don't get paid for that. And, I, and I'm sure as heck not making $33 million while I'm doing that. Yeah. And so like it's not about the money. It's just more about like there's going to have to be a point where you either have to say, okay, I'm going to play basketball or, hey, you know what? I need to step back and I, yes. I need to do something better for myself. And that's that's fine. But it's just you now have two players that are supposed to be the makeup of this team that 
if you told me tomorrow that they both retired in a joint news conference statement, I would not be shocked at all. And that's not good. Yeah. And, and you're going to, you're about to have $80 million of your salary cap tied up in it. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I hope that Ben Simmons is okay or that he yeah, can become okay. Of course. I I'm not, I don't I'm not uh I mean I definitely don't take any pleasure in like dunking on him, you know, and that's not what we're I don't feel no. like I mean anyway, regardless. But I've said this many, many times and then we get we gotta we gotta move on. I know this is like the longest segment ever, but like I've said many times. I hate when people when people are like, well, Here's a terrible thing that's happening, and then their response is like, "Well, I bet the thirty million dollars helps that." No, and I'm like it absolutely does no. not. It absolutely does not. Shut up! That is such a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, it just, there it's are just a different parts, level. <laughs> yes, there are parts of the job description that that are part of the job description. You know, like you, you. You 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 have this immense stress, and you're doing a job very publicly. And when you do badly at that job, people say you suck and talk badly about you on Twitter or or whatever else. And that and as a a, a counter to that, you get paid thirty three million dollars, and and also you could also choose to not look at Twitter. You could try that as well. But like my point being. If one of the you are being given, it, I mean, it's this it's the Spider-Man thing. It's great power, great responsibility. You are being given. You have an incredible, you know, I believe God given talent. And as a reward for that, you get paid a lot of money to play a game and do this thing that that only 400 people in the world get to do at any given time. But also the accountability that comes with that is you have to come, you have to try. You have to show up, you have to be available, and you have to try. And, and, and if you can't do that, whether it's because of physical or mental or whatever other issues, then you don't get to be one of those 400 people. And, and that's, I mean, that's where I'm, and it's the same with Kyrie Irving. I mean, that's a totally different thing with 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 Kyrie Irving but it's the same thing it's like you can't you you, you don't get both sides you don't get to make for 48 million dollars and then just be like actually I didn't really show up today or the next day or the day after that it doesn't it doesn't work like that and I don't know Rosillo had this great thing on his podcast today I'm told 100% stealing from it and just he just talked about how this is a business and these guys are bad business partners and that I, that really resonated with me. I was like, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah, what this is. Totally. If you're going to give Kyrie Irving four years and $189 million, you have to know that that guy is in this all the way. That, she, that he's got to be, he's got, he's part of your business. Uh, he's your business partner. He's part of making this happen. And there's nothing that Kyrie Irving has done over the last three seasons that makes me believe that if I'm if I'm a Nets fan. Yeah, so. I think Lowe had it that he's played 103 games in three seasons. It's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Uh, he's had four seasons in his career where he's played where he's played 60 games or more. I I mean, even just not even not even just setting aside the absolute bull that he brings to the table and that you have to deal with on a 
daily basis if you're in that Nets organization. He's not healthy enough to play games most of the time, or at least enough of the time that it matters. These things matter. You got. Mm-mm. I I don't know. I mean, they're they're kind of hosed because you know Kevin Durant wants his guys there, but like, I absolutely if I was Sean Marks, I absolutely would be having conversations with with Kevin Durant only saying. I I wonder if he could maybe can convince we, Kevin Durant that that's not the way to yeah, go. I really do. Please please let us walk away from this. And yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna be rough next year, but we'll figure it out. But please, please let us walk away from this because this is insane. You shouldn't continue to to go down this path. Um, okay, that's that's got to be the longest segment in in spread the floor history. Another guy who's a really bad business partner, <laughs> James Harden. Um, I are you nervous about? Look, it, 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 the Sixers are up three <laughs> zero. Uh, Doc Rivers has blown more 3-1 leads than anybody in, in the history of basketball. He was not really having it today <laughs> when he was asked about it. Which that I, I love that Doc Rivers me, That so makes me much, more nervous for Philly than it did before that because that tells yeah. me that it's clearly in their, yeah. in their minds. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's now 3-2. Here's what we're dealing with. It was 3-0. And and getting the third win was like a miraculous shot, and a lot of things had to go right. Fred Van Vliet has just like, it looks like he's a freshman at Wichita State all of a sudden, uh, and then he's injured too, so he's he's out. It's three zero now. It's three two, and in the midst of those two games, you've had Embiid gets a his t- torn a ligament in his shooting thumb, and he didn't look great in the last game. He wasn't forcing things, um, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe he can. Maybe he can say, all right, cool, it's time for me to score 20 points in this quarter or something like that, but he didn't really look like it um, in game five. They lose that second game, like I said, at home. Matisse Thibel has become, he can't play on the road, and he's become almost unplayable at home. And then you've got James Harden out there, um, doing the playoff James Harden thing that we've come to know and love over the course of of the last uh, the last uh, decade of of basketball. Um, they're in Toronto tomorrow. I <laughs> is is this is this? Okay, let's just let's just I'll just say is is this coming back to Philly for Game Seven? And what do, what do you think happens from from that? I think it's definitely coming back for Philly's Game Seven. I think not having Thibel. Uh, Embiid being not 100% hardened, doing the hardened things. And you know good and well Toronto's going to have the crowd. So I do think it's going back to Philly in seven. Um, At that point, I don't know. I want to watch game six before I make a call on game seven. I don't don't think – I still think Sixers are probably going to pull this out. But I I do think it will end up going seven. Um, because I think that's what I will probably wouldn't have said that before today, but the way doc reacted, I was like, Oh no, like that, that's definitely something that's going around a lot and they're getting frustrated. And honestly, the, the thing that they can't control is Embiid can't do what he needs to do. Uh, he can't pick up the slack for Harden because he's clearly not fully himself. Um, Mm -hmm. and that sucks because the other thing too, is that if you do pull this out and you do end up winning this series, you know, you can't you can't go forward. Like this is going to be awful because there's just no way that a broken Embiid is going to be able to carry you past. You know, maybe maybe past the Heat. I don't know. Maybe, 
but mm. it's it's not going to pass you past the Celtics or the Bucks, and it's surely not going to get you to the finals. I don't think because he needs to be a hundred percent, especially considering mm. Harden's doing what Harden does, and so it just it kind of feels like a moot point at this at this juncture, which I super hate for the Philly fans to an extent because it it sucks to lose this way. It'd be one thing if like Embiid cratered and Harden cratered and they lost and they had something to be mad about, but you can't control this. It's, it sucks that. And Beats had such a great year, and this is how it's going to end, you know, with him being hurt and having to have surgery at the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I do. I feel for Embiid. Um, I don't love Joel Embiid, but you never, obviously, you never want to see anybody get hurt. And also, like you said, it's just he's had a great season, and it's. I, I want to see what they do in Game Six because I, I do. I mean, it's definitely a pain management thing. That's a big part of this for him and I mean big kudos to him for like yeah I'll play through it um because it's not something that's probably going to get worse so you know you just got to if you can deal with it you can deal with it that's cool and I I I mean I love that we just talked about a couple guys that you know I got a hangnail so I can't play this week um the I think that's great I do want to see if there's a gear that he can get to maybe playing game five I do think watching them play, I wouldn't call it tentativeness, but I do think there was a little bit of like, <laughs> I mean, you know, this maybe this sounds familiar, kind of looking at James Harden like, hey, you going to do something or no? Okay, all right. And maybe that changes in game six where he just says, okay, screw it. I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I'm going to take 40 shots if that's what it takes. Um, so we'll see. Maybe he can get to that gear and it, you know, you need a game to kind of feel it out and see how your your hands feeling and all that sort of stuff. Um but, but I mean <laughs> James Harden's going to get like two, like a quarter of a billion dollars this summer. And there's a 0% chance that Daryl Morey isn't going to offer it to him, you know? I mean I think there's at least a small chance that the Nets will walk away from Kyrie, but I think it's like 99 to 1. That that the that that James Harden's getting this contract. Um, Good luck. <laughs> I guess the, there is this play. Somebody posted. I think Brad posted in our Discord um, from game from game five. <laughs> and I mean, it's been well noted at this point. Harden has no separation. He can't. He he can't create space at all. At all. At all. Right now. Um, but they ran this play and he just like, he calls for a screen. He's, a, he's at about the top of the key coming up to the top of the key calls for a screen. I think Maxie is the first one that comes in screens for him. The Raptors switch. <laughs> uh, he can't do it. He just drifts towards the wing. Another screen comes. The Raptors switch. <laughs> he just drifts further towards the corner. Another screen comes. They literally ran him through four screens. And the Raptors were like, cool. Literally everybody on our team is the exact same size, my guy. We're just going to switch every single time. It is says, And they had zero problem. And he ends up taking a contested uh, two and missing. And it's like it's just a horrible possession where nothing happens except him dribbling and somebody screening for him. And the defense being like, cool, we like this. This is fine. And that is like, I mean, that's indicative of what, what you're dealing with. He ended up, I think, with 15 points the other night, but it was like nine for the first three quarters. It didn't matter. He had he had zero impact on that game from a positive standpoint at all. And 
This is the guy that's about to get $250 million. And I just, this, I think it was Lowe uh, who was like, I think this might just be a lose-lose trade. <laughs> this yeah. It's Harden trade, yeah. you know? I, it I, was. It, it was Lowe that said, is there any part of this of the Sixers that are wishing that they maybe just didn't, I'm sorry, no, it wasn't, it was the Nets, so I don't want to go back to that. So mm-hmm. it was basically the Nets saying, is there any part where we should have just stuck this out and then with the risk of losing him this offseason? So. <laughs> but I think that the Sixers are proving, no, nah, you're good. You're probably better off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, – I, I, it would take a bit – it would take quite a bit to change. One game is not going to change my opinion of James Harden, but, like, when Embiid calls him out after the game, you know, the reporter asks him, you know, are you saying anything to to your guy about like, hey, you took eleven shots and you've been super passive and not, you know, all that? And he just said, no, that's on him and the coach to figure out. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, it took maybe two months for for Joel and B to be done with James Harden, which is just, I mean, that's the James Harden experience, man. So like, I I don't know, I don't really think that this is Embiid's kind of kind of thing but i definitely would be i think i would be lighting a fire under his butt this time around and if he leaves he leaves but i think i'd just be saying uh i need a 50 burger tonight bud like you gotta show me something out there you gotta this is one of those games game six where it's it's it like i said i don't think one game can fix your legacy when you're when you're james harden when you when you've had the the playoff fall aparts like he's like he's had um and when your reputation is what it is, but you you can do a, you can do a lot of good if you come out here and say, okay, I'm gonna show you that I'm still James Harden. You know, you can do a lot here, and or you can further cement how we all feel about you, James Harden. So we'll, all right, we'll see. Heat Hawks. I don't have a whole lot here. Uh, five games. That's what I think we both predicted was was Heat and five. Um, the two things that that stand out more than anything else is uh, Trey Young had thirty turnovers and twenty two made baskets in this series. I mean, they made they just made life absolutely hell on him. Yeah, through the course, he of this, even said this it too that he hadn't been guarded like that since high school. And I'm like, I find that hard to believe, but also like you gotta like he did not show much resilience in you know figuring out how to make that work for him, even if it was mm-hmm. turning into to a facilitator instead of a shooter. I don't know. It was weird. He just completely mentally shut him down, it seemed like. I think that the Heat are probably, like, the perfect team to guard him. So that's part of it. Um, But also, Trey Young has been a very, very good all-star level basketball player for the last three seasons. Um, He's been better than I expected him to be coming out. Um, all those things. And also this is, this is why it's kind of hard to build around a, a six foot tall turnstile, you know, who's not an elite shooter. <laughs> he was like, what, I think 18% or something from three in this game. Again, the heat are built to shut down a guy like Trey Young. So I'm not judging everything based on, Hey, you lost to the one seed, but like, I mean, this is why. This is why it's hard. This is why you would prefer to build around maybe a six foot seven point guard instead of a, a six foot tall point guard. I would say um, that's just that's just me. Um, 
the Heat also the thing with them is just like it doesn't see it doesn't matter who plays. Doesn't matter who plays. Kyle Lowry goes out with a hamstring. Cool. Gabe Vincent is is fine. We're gonna we're gonna deal with it. Jimmy Butler misses game five. Doesn't matter. Victor Oladipo is alive and is just like really good. For the first time in three years. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward for them because I, I, I do. I did say I think when we when we talk playoffs at the beginning, it's just like I think that the Heat can beat any team in the East. I'm not sure that they can beat three teams in the East, and that's that's the, the hard part. Um, but and because uh, you know a couple of these games, you kind of saw like, hey, when it gets tight, it gets real ugly for for this team. It's just that the Hawks aren't very good and or or we're underachieving or whatever else, but. Um, I mean, it's just, it is amazing. It is amazing that they can just be like, cool. Caleb Martin plays 35 minutes tonight. That's fine. We're good with it. It just, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible what they do. I love Spolster and what, what he continues to throw out there. We don't have time to get super deep into this. Are, what, what do you, do you think that there are, there are definitely changes coming for Atlanta. Do you think that it's like wholesale changes? Like, Hey, we're turning over half the roster or, is it more like we try to add or subtract a guy or two? Something. I, I like think that. they. What, what's your? Thought? I think they pick a star like Collins or Bogdanovich and try to fit something around Trey better. And I think Collins is probably the casualty that that. I think that they knew they had to give him the deal this this off season, and I'm a little surprised he took it to be honest with you. But I think he's going to be the casualty in that situation probably. I do not think that he has ever been happy playing there. That's the other reason, Trey. yeah. And I think that this year, I mean, he was injured a, a chunk this year as well, but I, I definitely got the vibe that for half a season last year, they all kind of like <laughs> stuck their hands in the middle and said one, two, three team and were like in for for three months or whatever. And I don't think that that has been the case this year much at all. So. I'm not laying that at the feet of anybody and maybe it's just everybody shares a little bit of the blame, but they have too much talent to be as bad as they were for much of the season. And um, yeah, I would lean towards, I'm a little bit interested to see if Travis Schlink is still there. I think he probably gets one more off season to see what they can, they can put together. Cause I mean, we really thought he was gone last year until Nate McMillan turns that thing around. But um, it, it, It'll be interesting. I also would lean towards a move, but I think I think there's a major move coming. One of those top four guys, I think, is probably yeah, is probably on the way out. Bucks Bulls like was kind of I I love watching Giannis and I kind of like the Bucks, so I'm not going to call it a snooze fest. Um, while we were recording last week, Tillman, I had like all these notes on how bad DeRozan has been in the playoffs, um, and. As we were recording, he was just, I think he dropped 30, like 40 points in that game. I mean, he just like went off in that one and maybe look, maybe look pretty stupid. Um, and then we were kind of right back for, for the rest of the season. I, I, for the rest of the series, excuse me. I, I will give, obviously I'll give the Bulls some excuse of they had no depth to begin with. And then all their guys are just dropping like flies. Um, obviously Lonzo wasn't even a part of this thing, but like, Caruso gets a concussion and he's out and now Kobe white is playing more minutes. And then tonight Zach Levine's out for COVID protocols. And I mean, which really stupid, really super stinks, but honestly they weren't using him well to begin with. And maybe I couldn't decide if I felt like he was injured or if 
if they just weren't doing great with him, I, my point being, they have a lot of excuses for why things did not go well for them in this series and in, in the playoffs. But I also felt like you're kind of seeing why I felt like this was more of a, a regular season team through the course of the season to begin with. And also seeing maybe a little bit of playoff ability Donovan and how that's not usually the best yeah. either. I did not think that he did a very good job in this series to be yeah, honest. They, it, yeah, they didn't have enough time playing together. I think this season they had a lot of injuries and then they got possibly the worst matchup that they could have gotten for the first sure. round. But all that to say, you know, good season for them. Like, it's cool to see DeRozan do his thing, but they didn't stand a chance. And we said that when we previewed the series. So it's, you know, it, they. I think it was a stat earlier in the year where they were like 0-14 against the top four in the East, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just yeah. – that just showed what you were saying is that they're more of a regular season team than they are a playoff team. I mean, obviously tonight it didn't matter because he wasn't there, but like it really disappointed me how little they used Levine and and tried to. Con- I I think that it would have been worth forcing some action there, honestly, because again, I really like Demar Derozan. I like his game. I like him as a person. But we have a great track record of what he does in the playoffs, and it it his bit becomes less effective in the playoffs, and and that's what we dealt with. We get, you know. Game one, 18 points. Game two, 41 points while we were recording, talking crap about him. 41 points. Game three, 11 points. Yeah, I mean, on nine shots. Game four, 23 points. Okay? And then tonight, 11 points on 10 shots. It's great defense. Cool. But, like, this is, I don't know. This is this is kind of what happens. This is what happens. So, Middleton is still out, and the report today was that he might be out for longer than they expected. That's not great. That's a really big deal for for the next series, obviously, because it's there's so many wings on 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 Boston that you got to deal with, and um, that's that's scary if you're if you're a Bucks fan. I don't think you clearly you did not need Middleton all that much against the Bulls, but you do now. I think. Yeah, I so think if you don't get him tough. by Game Three of the Celtics series, they need to be really worried. So, yeah. Definitely. All right. We'll talk more Bucks Bucks Celtics next. I think their first game is on Sunday, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um so we'll uh we'll get a good look at them before we, we have to talk in depth. Let's move west. I, I don't have a lot on the West, to be honest, outside of our, our matchup. Nuggets Warriors are, are in the middle of of game five right now, and then the Nuggets are up ten points. Um I gotta be honest, I didn't I wasn't super I didn't think that we were gonna get to game five. I think last time we recorded, I was like, this is over, and I think it's gonna be a sweep, and now the Nuggets are like taking some control. So um I I don't have a lot of faith that this ends up being a six or seven game series. I mean, excuse me, a seven game series or or that the, the Nuggets really are, are going to win it, but but I don't know. I mean they're 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 coming on strong at the right time, I guess. But being down 3-0 to this team feels like a death sentence to me. Yeah, it still probably is. But if you're the Warriors, like, you got to be kicking yourself that you didn't take care of business and now you're going to play one and maybe two extra games if you don't get your stuff together today. So, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have to go and play either the Grizzlies or the Wolves in the next round and you're going to be not as fresh. So, it's it's kind of, a, they, sure. they should have taken care of business. There's no reason why they shouldn't have won game four if we're being mm-hmm. honest, like, so yeah, not, not great yeah. for them, but you know, that's just how it goes. You just see like game four was a great, was kind of a microcosm of like, this is what it takes for the nuggets. It's like, 
Jokic had a great game in game four. Stat line, but also just like actually just playing basketball. He was really, really, really good. And they had to have Monty Morris just go off in order to to barely beat the Warriors. I mean, that's what you're dealing with when you've got a roster that's just not very good outside of outside of the MVP. It's 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 tough. But yeah, I'm with you. I felt like the Warriors kind of let that one slip a little bit. And good, but kudos on the Nuggets for showing some guts and and playing hard and and I mean we just we kind of watched the Nets roll over and and I don't know I mean when you're down three zero I think it could be it's really easy just be like can we let's just get to Cancun like let's just be done with this and and they weren't having it so I like that I love I love the resolve that they showed I I wish just from a hey like a good series would be nice standpoint um, I wish that it would have come up earlier but you know. It is what it yeah. is. Suns Pels. <laughs> it's been a really interesting series. I kind of think we're done now, but I don't know. Do you think that you think the Pelicans get game six? I think they have a shot. I mean, like they they were still in the game last night before the the Suns put it away. I mean, they they were getting blown out in the first half and then they kind of scrapped their way back in. So definitely think they have a shot. Um I told you off the air that I don't think there was any world where CP was going to let those guys come and do the same thing again. And they did, and mm-hmm. they didn't really. And CP was, was great last night um, in some respects in that. And so I think that they can, I don't, I don't know if they will though. Um, I just, that Pell's team is good, but they're not that good. And the Suns are, mm-hmm. when the Suns are, where they are, they're the best team in the NBA. And even without Booker, right. they're still miles better than a lot of the teams in the playoffs. So I loved game four. I, I mean, they got a ton of calls, uh, so that, that definitely helped them, but they, they had some, they had some swag going. They were, uh, I mean, I mean, I love Jose Alvarado so yeah. much and, uh, that, that was cool too. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they showed that they were a well-coached team. They showed some resiliency, and it was just like, it's tough to beat. That's two games in this series where they've gotten into the clutch situation that, that Phoenix has just absolutely dominated over the, these last two seasons, and they not only held with them, but actually won those minutes. And I, I was I was interested to see how game five would start because the, the thing to me that, that I took away from game four more than anything else was... It's not that, that the Suns let the, the Pelicans get the win. It's that they let them build confidence over those last few minutes. I mean, that turned into a blowout down the stretch of that, that game, and that's ne- that never happens to Phoenix. And so I wanted to see, are they going to carry over some of this into, into game five? And instead, Phoenix was like, nope, absolutely not, and just, just completely just snatched their lunch money and, um, and, and just, like, reasserted themselves. Also... Uh, f- finally, I think Monty Williams is like, I mean, was my coach of the year pick and is one of the, I don't know, top five coaches in the league. Not sure why it took to five games to decide that actually Mikhail Bridges is the guy that needs to guard Brandon Ingram and not, uh, not Jay Crowder. But, um, Mikhail Bridges made, made Brandon Ingram's life hell in that yeah. game. It was, it was rough. It was rough for him. Um, cause he's been incredible and he can put up a fight, but like, that's why Mikael Bridges was a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. That that's why 
even though I voted for Marcus Smart, he might be my pick for like I I need a defender. Who am I going with? I probably I might be going with that dude. He's he was incredible. And then on the other side, thirty one points on seventeen shots. That's mm-hmm. this is a Mikhail Bridges appreciation podcast. So uh, I I I love Bridges, and that was Game Five was a great example of like yeah, this is what this guy d- is capable of. He was incredible. It's classic Nova basketball. That's why I like. It. <laughs> there you That's go. Why I love it. There you so, go. Yeah, he's been great. To Looks watch, like for sure. Looks like Booker may be back um, potentially for Game Six. I feel like that's. I I think that's a mistake. Pushing it, gosh, yeah. Such I wouldn't do that. I, I don't. Do that. I just don't like. If you go to a Game Seven, that's a different story because you just never know yeah. what Game Sevens. But sure, man. Especially if you're going to pull the Jazz or us in the next round, you have to have Booker. Especially if you're yeah. playing us, I just yeah. I don't think that's a smart move at all. Um, we saw that with. And that's one of the things about Luca that I was afraid about was when your hamstrings or legs are not 100%, that's when other injuries happen that are more severe. We saw that with Katie yeah. in the finals a few right. years ago. His He had a calf strain and ended up tearing his Achilles because of it, you know? And so um, that that scares me if I'm a Suns fan, to be honest. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even mess with it with game six. I think that's – I think you you – I mean, you're the best team in the league. Yeah for a reason you're the one seed you're playing the eight seed like you need you need to be able to beat yeah. the eight seed without booker if possible yeah i think they unlocked a little bit in game five too so i i just would sit in for game six but um we'll see we'll see what they do last series uh that we t- we'll talk about so man i <laughs> i don't know you you i'm just gonna turn it over you tell me i can't decide if grizzlies wolves is like the best series or the absolute worst. I can't, I, I can't decide. I jump back and forth on the highlight plays versus the just garbage <laughs> attitudes and griping and the awful officiating that this series has gotten all five games. I, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know what to say with, with this series. Anymore. I don't either. It, every game feels like there's no way to guess what's actually going to happen. Um, yeah, I thought, like I thought the wolves were going to, fold at the beginning of the game and they come out hot and they have the lead and then they end up, you know, blowing a couple of possessions to win the game at the end with Kat and D'Angelo Russell and then Anthony Edwards makes a miracle shot. It's like, oh, cool, they're going to win. Good for them. And then and then Jock comes and does his thing. It's just such a wild series. So I think it's been entertaining. Uh, but this is kind of like watching a two teams full of Luca style players where they're just they're the emotions are always just running over. <laughs> um, I, t- I texted you last night watching that game. I said the Grizzlies don't know how to calm down. Like they're yeah. kind of like a badly trained dog that when you come in the house, they just cannot calm themselves down. Every single no experience. Yeah. Sorry. Every Sorry. single offensive possession felt like the seven seconds or less sons, but like if they were on cocaine and you had a gun to their head, <laughs> right? It just, it wasn't a good thing. Like it was like not yeah. a good thing. What if you tried to do the seven seconds or less sons with 13 year olds? Yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. And I, and I texted you, I was like, they need the veteran. Cause like, if you look at their team, yeah. every single person on their team, except for Steven Adams is mm-hmm. a yeah. young high head's not the right word, but like high emotion player. And that's motion. And that's why they're where they are because they, Mm -hmm. cause they, they are swag team and that's great. 
it also means that if you in these high pressure situations, if you don't have someone like I, I don't know, the, for some reason the first person that comes to my mind is Al Horford. Like if Al Horford was on that team, yeah. Andre Iguodala. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Iguodala is another one. If Iguodala is on that team, he's the guy that's either on the court or on the bench, telling Dylan Brooks and John Morant to like take a beat, take a breath. Yeah, and I think that that would just do wonders for them. Um, Adams can't even stay on the floor at this point, you yeah. know, and so like that's the one veteran presence that Mike could do that because he's scary as hell. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. but yeah. he's not even on the court. So, uh, I I couldn't tell you what's going to happen with this with the series. I feel like every time I try to like in my head predict, oh, this is going to be a game where the the Wolves come out and win, or the Grizzlies are going to pull away here. The opposite happens in. And then on top of that, the officiating has been atrocious because this to to the refs. I hate saying this out loud. To the refs' credit, <laughs> this has to be such a hard series to ref because, yeah, totally. like, even there was one point last night when Morant drove into the lane and just kind of threw his body sideways and you know yeah. got a whistle yeah. and like that that's happening on both ends almost every single time down the court. And on top of that, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. who can't not foul anybody. And you have and then you have Pat Bev. Cat who can't not yeah, foul anybody. You have Pat Bev and then you have Cat griping at you. You have Cat who can't, you know, that's fouling everybody. It's just, it's such a beating to watch. And I'm sure as a it ref, is. it's probably yeah. a beating to ref as well. It absolutely is. There was one last <laughs> night where Pat Bev, there was a, I believe the, the Grizzlies took a jumper the rebound kind of carried him to the corner. Pabev and Morant were were moving in the direction of the ball. Pabev was in the inside. He reached for the ball. And it was like, you know, it was one of those where like the, the ball bounced inbounds and it was, but it was hovering out of bounds. He was fully inbounds. He, it was fine. He could have very easily just, just caught the ball. And as the ball is moving in that direction, Morant reaches out and like, he touches him. I mean, he touches his back. It's not a push. It's like the when it's it's the hip touch thing, you know. And Pat Bev threw himself eighteen feet into the crowd. One of the most egregiously obvious flops I've ever seen in my life. And then when the referee correctly called it out of bounds on Pat Bev. <laughs> He lost his daggum mind and starts like jumping around and screaming and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, this is what it's like. This is, this has got to be hell to be, to deal with. Like it's, <laughs> there's no, I mean, it wasn't, a, he got touched. Yep. He did. You did. You got touched. Um, there was no foul. You threw yourself and you know that. And still you reacted like that. I mean, it's just, it's exhausting. I, <laughs> I've just gotten to where I hate Carl Anthony Towns. I I just I I he's not the guy for me. Um, I'm I'm just not into it. Uh, it it he played really well down the stretch of Game Four. I I mean I give him tons of credit. He was awesome down the stretch of that game. <laughs> and then like his post game with uh, I think it was Jared Greenberg on the court and he's just like I think you can tell by my face that I'm not happy with this. I just was like I it was the most it was the most it was the fakest most ridiculous I'm all about winning kind of statement and I've ever seen. I've ever seen. And I just was like nope, this guy didn't have it. It's not for me. Um 
He played he played fine in game five. But at a certain point, like if your team is perpetually if you're the best player on the team and your team is perpetually blowing big leads, then then that's on you. Some of that is on you. You are got to be the one that says, all right, we got to stop. We got to make this stop. We got to stop the bleeding. We got to play good basketball again. And it just doesn't really seem that was another game that they should have won. I mean, I, I yeah, Memphis 100%. has got three wins in this series, and two of them, obviously. I mean, one of them was like the most ridiculous comeback ever, but like two of them are just full on. Hey, this series should be over. You should have won if you just kind of take care of business. Yeah, at the just, very just, least, you should be going bit. back to Minnesota with, a, you know, a three-two lead. Yeah, and yeah, it's, the question yeah. that I have to ask you that's on everybody's minds: Will we or won't we have another protest this game? Almighty. I think the last one maybe like the first one I I think she maybe accomplished what she was trying to accomplish, you know, and like felt pretty good about being in jail afterwards. I don't think that the second one really had a good time. <laughs> I think like there's been that three security guard. Sir. There's been three. I for, I guess I forgot about the, the third fake, one. Oh the yeah, fake, the, the, the chain, first one was the the, gl- the gluing that never really glued. Glue girl. Yeah. Second okay. one was the chain, <laughs> and this last one was the. <laughs> so I got I got on a pretty bad rabbit hole <laughs> after this, <laughs> and I don't know why, because I also probably ruined my phone forever. I need to like burn it. <laughs> yeah. I you get to scrub that your same yeah. like week that the girl tried to glue herself to the floor. <laughs> Uh, Some people from PETA did that mm. at a Starbucks in San Francisco, the Starbucks mm. corporate mm. office, cool. because cool, cool. they will charge more for non-dairy milk, which is just the stupidest thing ever. I'm I like, hate PETA so much. Yeah. The absolute worst organization. I, I, don't, just, I don't know uh, why, but for some, I got on this conspiracy theory thread slash <laughs> articles of there's people that believe that PETA is funding this because someone asked the question, how in the world are these people affording these seats? Yeah, that's true. And so they're like, find the money. It's probably PETA. So that is my reasoning for believing that since this is probably going to be the last game in Minnesota, I actually think something big is going to happen. Not like not like unsafe. I'm not I'm not trying to like freak Uh people out. I really do feel like. It's going to be like this train of weirdos running across the floor, you know, maybe, maybe doing the fur coat thing to Glenn Taylor where they splash yeah. blood on yeah. him or something like that. I don't know. I just maybe they should do the reverse and put glue in Glenn Taylor's seat. <laughs> so when he sits down, he can't. But hey, the wolves are three and oh when there's a protest. So maybe Glenn Taylor is like actually like calling somebody like, hey, I know you guys hate me, but can y'all like. Like, <laughs> tell the security that you're with me or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, I have a family member who works for a Glenn Taylor organization and uh, uh, can confirm not great. Yeah. Can't confirm not great. Um, yeah, we'll see, man. I what I mean, that's the what a great example. I've said that what an example or a microcosm like 50 times in this episode. Sorry. The Anthony Edwards experience was on full display. <laughs> at the end of that game because a Chris Finch incredible play design loved that that was awesome that was so cool the I mean what what a great cut great pass from McLaughlin but like gosh what a great what a great play design love that Anthony Edwards from the corner bang awesome 
And then here comes the inbound, and he just is like the most out of position you could possibly be. <laughs> like, like if hey, you, he's twenty one, leave him alone. He is. Leave him. Alone. He's just a baby, but he doesn't know about I. Why in the world do you have him guarding John Morant? I don't even think it was a switch. I don't know. Maybe if I went back, I'd see that it was a switch. But I, he just he's just jumping even as it was happening. And again, I'm not even. I'm not even rooting for either team and I haven't even decided which team I hate the most, which is usually, usually what I decide to go with. I go for the opposite of that. But the, even that, even in the moment with no real rooting interest, I was like, no, no, no. Like, what are you doing? Just can't, you can't jump out at the ball like that. I, it was, oh man, it was such a, it was so bad. So bad. Great, great shot by Morant. Um, and, and resiliency from him. Cause he's looked bad through a good chunk of this series. And I, I there's a part of this is like, he's, he's taking what the defense gives him. And I, I get it. Um, but also he looks lost a lot on, on the floor right now. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, this is a great game. Game six is a really good opportunity for him to like, kind of, kind of a say, Hey, I'm John Morant, you know, like this is a big yeah. thing. This is, I, I think these, this next game or two, um, I think they're big games for him. So, yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. All right, let's get out of here. We will, uh, we'll do Mavs time in a separate episode talking about, uh, talking about the Mavs jazz series, um, that hopefully will come to a close, uh, tomorrow night on Thursday. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around uh, to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market and leave us a five-star rating and five-star review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you know somebody who's rich and likes basketball, tell them too, so that they'll pay us to do more podcasts. That would be the dream Uh, in their review. Tell us the most obscure random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we'd like to read those out at the end of the show. Like I said, we'll be back with Mavs time here shortly and then back next week with even more hot, fresh NBA playoffs talk in your ears. And until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.